Ruth, a lady named Ruth, asked over 200 scripture kids aged 11 to 14 for their top 10 questions about Christianity. Now these were kids obviously going to scripture classes, most of them brought up in Christian homes, many of them going to Christian schools, and these, the top 10 questions, we've picked out the top four of those 10 questions. These are the top four questions that those kids had. How can I know that God exists? Huh? Going to scripture classes, brought up in Christian homes, going to Christian schools, and they didn't know how they can know that God exists? If that's the case, then the church or the parents are doing something wrong. Isn't that right? The kids have to know. If we want our kids to stay in the church, we have to scratch them where they're itching. We have to answer their questions, sensible, logical and rational answers to the questions they're asking. Second one, how could a good God send people to hell? Good question. Good question. Why didn't the kids know? How can I believe in a good God when there is so much suffering? Good question. The kids are scratching, itching in these areas. Let's give them answers to the questions they have. Logical and sensible answers. You know, we travel all over Australia, lots of different churches, and there are very, very few churches left in Australia that have people under 30 in them. Very few. We are losing our kids because the church and the parents are not answering their questions. And so they'll go somewhere where they get answers, even though the answers are wrong. Let's teach them the truth. Fourth one, doesn't evolution prove that God doesn't exist? Why didn't they know the answer? We need to teach our kids the truth. This ministry exists, Creation Ministry International exists, to answer precisely these questions, to arm parents with the information to teach their children logically and sensibly and rationally the answers to the questions that they have. Three of these we answer directly. We address three of these questions directly. Question number two, we answer indirectly. In order to answer question number two, you've got to know who God is, You've got to know his character and his attributes. You've got to know God really well to answer that question. And so we address that, but it's secondary to the ministry. <clears throat> we have a lot of resources down the back there. Books and DVDs. Avail yourselves of those after the meeting. Have a look at them. Enormous number. When I first became a Christian, when I first became a creationist, I became a, a Christian through creation. I used to be an evolutionist. I used to be an atheist. When I became a Christian and a creationist, there were two books you could get on creation in the world. Now there's about probably 5,000 or more. It's growing enormously. We have a website. The website is extremely complicated. The address is extremely complicated to remember. If you've got a pencil and paper, write it down. It's creation.com. <laughs> Brilliant website. Thousands and thousands and thousands of articles on our website on a whole host of different subjects associated with this ministry. If you're talking to somebody and you get questions you can't answer, go to our website. Use the search engine on the website to find the information you're looking for. Download the information to your computer, print it off on your printer, and give it away to the people you're talking to free of charge. All the information on our website is free. We want this information to get out into the community, and we need your help to do that. Come on board with this ministry, and let's change our society. Let's keep our young people in the church and let's change our society by making Australia a Christian nation. We can't do it if we lose our kids. Let's do that.
You all got one of these forms? One of these forms on the way in? We produce an email newsletter. Our email newsletter contains information, a couple of articles now and again. We don't spam you if we give, you give us your email address. But we'd like you to keep in touch with the Minister. We'd like to keep in touch with you. A couple of articles in our email news. And there's also information on the events, the talks and things that are being held in your area. So if you want to get our email newsletter, fill out the top part, the yellow part. Is that yellow? Greenish, sort of yellowy colour. Fill out the top part, put your email address on there and your postcode. It's through the postcode that we are able to target particular areas for um, telling them about what's going on in that area. So I'm going to stop now, stop talking while you grab your form and fill out that part if you want to get our email newsletter. Okay. Pens are available if you want them. Yep. Sorry, I said I wasn't going to talk. Don't copy that one. more time to fill that out. No? Okay. Let's keep going. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, in, for instruction in righteousness. Tell me, does all mean some or most? It means all, doesn't it? Is there anything left out of that? No. The word says all scripture is inspired by God. Nothing left out of that. Absolutely nothing left out of that. We need to be able to show people in Australia today that the evidence for inspiration. We have to be able to show people that the Bible really is the inspired word of God. How can we do that? Well, it's quite easy, actually. You know, the Hindus believe that the earth is suspended on the back of an elephant. We send men out into space and they look back at the earth. Is there an elephant under the earth holding it up? Yeah, but it's invisible. <laughs> Always one in every group. Is there an elephant holding it up? No. no. It's a scientific mistake, a demonstrable mistake in a book that is supposed to be a holy book. Because I cannot trust what the Hindu scriptures say that I can test, I will not trust them in things I cannot test. If I can't trust them to tell me the truth in physical things, I cannot trust them to tell me the truth in spiritual things either. I can totally reject it. Do not even have to consider it. One mistake is enough to condemn it. One mistake. Because our Bible says all scripture is inspired by God. And God is the one who never lies and never makes mistakes. The Bible is infallible. Because it's the word of God. The Shintos, one of the Japanese religions, they believe the earth is suspended on the back of a catfish. Every time the catfish goes underwater, they have a tidal wave. Remember the tsunami that hit Japan a few years ago? That's how many of the Japanese explained it. Namazu, the catfish, wriggling around, dived under, and they had a tidal wave. 
Is that the truth? Is that what actually happened? No, it isn't, is it? It's a mistake. A mistake in a book that is supposed to be a holy book. Because I cannot trust the Shinto religion in areas I can test, neither will I trust it in areas I cannot test. If it makes mistakes in physical things, it will also make mistakes in spiritual things. I cannot trust it to tell me what the truth is. I can totally reject it. Do not even have to consider it. One mistake is enough to condemn it. One mistake. Because God never makes mistakes. This book was written by men. Men make mistakes, but God never does. So it's a man's book. It's not God's book. The ancient Greeks, they believed it was a strong man held the world up. What was his name? Hercules. Not Hercules? Atlas. That book of maps you've got at home on the shelf is called an atlas. That's a carryover from the ancient Greek religions. Atlas holds the world up. But is that the truth? We send men into space, they look back at the earth. Is there a strong man under the earth holding it up? You're not sure? No! It's a mistake. A scientific mistake. In a book that is supposed to be a holy book. A demonstrable mistake. In a book that is supposed to be a holy book. Because I cannot trust it to tell me the truth about physical things, neither will I trust it to tell me the truth about spiritual things. I can totally reject it. It is not the word of God, it's the words of words of men. Even the Muslims, some of them anyway, believe that the earth is suspended upon one horn of a bull. Every year, during the springtime festival, the Nairos festival, the bull changes the weight of the earth from one horn to the other horn for the following year. On this special day of the year, they all stand around the kitchen table. On the kitchen table, there's a saucer. On the saucer, there's a boiled egg. They stand around the kitchen table and they watch the boiled egg. When the boiled egg wobbles a little bit, that's when the transfer takes place. Hmm? Is that the truth? We send men down to space, they look back at the earth. Is there a bull under the earth holding it up? One guy one night said, Yeah, Peter, there's a lot of bull on the earth, though. <laughs> He's right. He's right. It's a scientific mistake in a book that is supposed to be a holy book. Because it makes mistakes in physical things, it is not the word of God. Demonstrably not the word of God. These are, this isn't the only um, one that does that. These aren't the only ones that do that. Look at this. Every single religion in the world that has a cosmology associated with it, a cosmology is a story about how the universe began. Every religion that has a cosmology, see, Buddhism doesn't have a cosmology. That's not included on the list. Every religion in the world that has a cosmology associated with it got it wrong. Every single one. Well, except for one. What does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? In the book of Job, chapter 26, verse 7, God is talking to the man Job. And he says, Job, I hang the earth upon nothing. We send men out into space. They look back at the earth. What holds the world up? What holds the world up? Nothing. Nothing! Job got it right. He got it right. How did he know that? How could he possibly know that? He didn't know that. He had no idea about that. 
He didn't write that in his own knowledge and understanding. You see, right from when Job was a little boy, he had the law of gravity to contend with, the same as you. And he knew from a little boy, you don't hang things on nothing, you hang them on something. You go home tonight, get ready for bed, what do you hang your clothes on? Well, I'm talking to the ladies, by the way. Guys, I'm sorry, I know what you hang yours on. It's called the floor drove, isn't it? Yeah, I use the same one. You don't hang things on nothing, do you? Every time Job bought a new picture for his house, he didn't just walk up to the wall and bung it up there and hope it stayed there. He knew in order to hang anything anywhere, you've got to hang it on something. He had to put a hook in the wall or a nail in the wall. He had to hang it on something. You don't hang things on nothing. But when Job wrote this verse, he said, God hangs the earth on nothing. And he got it right. Proof positive that it was God who wrote the Bible. It contains information. It contains knowledge that men did not know at the time these things were written. Knowledge doesn't pop into existence out of nowhere. It has to come from a source of intelligence. Where did this information come from? Now, one night, one guy yelled out, Oh, Peter, they just guessed. Rubbish! <laughs> you go to an exam, you do an exam, and you guess the answers. How many did he get right? Do you realise that the Bible is absolutely 100% scientifically accurate? in everything it says about science. Everything. Hydrology, geology, astronomy, meteorology, biology, physics, and medicine. The Bible is absolutely 100% scientifically accurate. Do you realise that we are the only generation in the history of this planet that understands these verses? No other generation has ever understood them. These things have only been discovered in the last 100, 150 years. Why did God waste space bung them in the Bible? Did he waste space? No. God knew that one day his people would live in a sceptical society, a society that said, men wrote the Bible, ignorant men wrote the Bible. <clears throat> no, he put information in the Bible that we could use to show them that the Bible is the inspired word of God. These verses have been put in the Bible by God for us. Do you think we should be using them? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Let's show people that the Bible really is the God-breathed Word of God. If we can show them the Bible is God's Word, maybe then they'll believe it and maybe then they will live it. That's what I'd like to see. Let's give them the evidence. Let's give them the evidence. Well, if God got all the science in the Bible right, how come he got Genesis so wrong? Did he get it wrong? No, he didn't get it wrong. But before we can examine the book of Genesis in the Bible, we need to know what Genesis actually means, what the words actually mean. What is God actually saying? This man, James Barr, Oriel Professor of Interpretation of the Holy Scriptures at Oxford University, he was not a Christian. He didn't believe the Bible was the Word of God. He was interested in what the Bible actually said, what the Hebrew actually said. And this is what he said. Probably so far as I know, there is no professor of Hebrew or Old Testament at any world-class university who does not believe that the writers of Genesis 1 to 11 
intended to convey to their readers the idea is that creation took place in a series of six days, which are the same as the days of 24 hours we now experience. Six literal 24-hour days. Consecutive days. Now you can believe whatever you like about the length of the days in Genesis, but don't pretend you get that understanding from the Bible. You don't. The Bible is adamant. Six literal 24-hour days. That's how long it took God to create this whole universe. The Genesis genealogies, he said, provide a chronology from the beginning up to later stages in the biblical story. Add up the genealogies in the Bible. And you get the age of the earth. From Adam to the flood, 1,656 years. From the flood to Christ, about 2,000 years. From Christ to us, about 2,000 years. 2,000 plus 2,000 plus 1,656, that's about 4.5 billion, isn't it? <laughs> no. Something under 6,000 years. That's what God said. Now you can believe whatever you like about the age of the universe. But don't pretend you get it from the Bible. You don't. God said about 6,000 years, the earth is young, the universe is young. If you believe anything other than that, you get it from men. As I showed before, men make mistakes, don't they? Let's not believe men. I choose to believe God. Because God never makes mistakes. Noah's flood was understood to be worldwide and extinguish all human and animal life except for those in the ark. That's what the word of God says. Now you can believe anything you like about the previous history of the earth. But don't pretend you get it from the Bible unless, of course, what you believe agrees with what the Bible says. Anything other than that comes from the mind of men, not the mind of God. God wrote the Bible. It is God's word. All of scripture has been inspired by God. All of it. It's like an office situation. You know, a secretary is writing a letter that's being dictated to by the boss. Boss dictates the letter, secretary writes it down, types it out. But whose letter is it? Is it the secretary's letter? Or is it the boss's letter? It's the boss's letter, isn't it? It doesn't matter at all whose fingers it comes through. It matters whose mind it comes from. The Bible came to us through the fingers of men. But it came from the mind of God. It's God's book, not man's book. It's God's book. We need to be able to show people that. That's some of the evidence we have. Evidence of creation. This is the DNA molecule. All of you have DNA. Hands up those who don't. <laughs> we all have DNA. Fantastic molecule. Absolutely fantastic molecule. Every single one of your body cells, all 40 trillion of them, contain all the information, all the DNA information required to make a new you. You have 40 trillion copies of all the DNA in you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know something else? You have 40 trillion bacteria living in your gut. And 40 trillion bacteria living on your skin. Isn't this creation amazing? It's amazing. You take a 
pinhead of that DNA material, just a pinhead, not even the whole pin, just the pinhead, two millimetres across. And that pinhead of DNA information, that DNA can contain all the information it takes to write in a pile of books from here to the moon 500 times. One pinhead of DNA. You take the DNA out of one of your body cells and stretch it out, it'll be three metres long. In one cell, you take all the DNA out of all of your 40 trillion cells and stretch that out, it would stretch from here to the sun and back four times. That's how much DNA is contained in you. Is that the result of chance random processes? I don't think so. I don't think so. To contain all that information will require a stack of DVDs 1,600 kilometres high. Just in one pinhead of DNA material. For the techies amongst you, 40 gigabyte hard drives, 100 million of them would be required to hold that much information. That's a big computer. Yeah, amazing stuff. Let's look at some evidence for the flood. This is part of the Japanese coastline that was destroyed by the tsunami. Same area of coastline before and after shots. Look at the devastation. You know, one of the things that happened during that tsunami was water rushed in over the land, carrying with it mud, rubbish, debris, all sorts of things, deposited that onto the land after the tsunami was over. In many places there were metres and metres of mud left behind. Some of that mud buried plants that got caught in it, buried animals that got caught in it, probably buried people that got caught in it. If that mud was allowed to stick around and dry out and harden form rocks, maybe those plants and animals and people would form fossils. It requires rapid burial to form fossils. In the biology textbook that I was taught from in high school, it said when a fish dies, it sinks to the bottom, gets slowly and gradually covered up with sediments over thousands or millions of years, and forms a fossil. Is that true? No. I thought it was true. I thought what they were teaching me was the truth. I became an evolutionist. I was an evolutionist during my high school years. I was taught lies. Anybody been out swimming around the coast, seen all those dead fish on the seafloor, waiting to be slowly and gradually covered up? They're not there. When a fish dies, for a start, it doesn't sink, it floats. Gets torn apart by scavengers and destroyed by the elements. Not very much left when it sinks to the bottom, and then the scavengers catch it down there too. They don't last very long at all, do they? Certainly not long enough to be buried to form fossils. We know that layers of rock can form rapidly. This is part of Mount St. Helens, the explosion of Mount St. Helens in 1980. Volcanic explosion produced these layers of rock. You can see three distinct layers of rock here. See a person down here for scale. This first layer of rock was produced in one day. Airfall deposit from the main explosion on the afternoon of the 18th of May, 1980. That's something like 18 feet. What's that about? Six metres of rock in one day. Rock or gut? Rock or gut? Yeah. Rock. Rock. Yep. Compressed, compressed now. I mean, yeah. dust initially. Yeah. Dirt initially. But it's been compressed now and turned into rock. That's how the layers form. Rock layers form. Was that 
slow and gradual, or rapid and catastrophic? Rapid and catastrophic, wasn't it? We know when it happened. We know how it happened. Second layer, and this layer here is composed of thousands and thousands of individual thin layers. Thousands of them. A pyroclastic flow deposit on the evening of June the 12th, 1980. Slow and gradual or rapid and catastrophic? Rapid and catastrophic. We've seen it happen. Top one was two years later. Mud flow deposit on the 19th of March, 1982. Slow and gradual or rapid and catastrophic? Rapid and catastrophic. We know how these things form. We've seen it happen. Here, there's a walking path. Along the walking path, there is a runoff channel for rainwater, like a gutter. The local council wanted to do some work on the walking path, so they diverted the water, the rainwater runoff, from this gutter. And it went from that to this in six days. There's a person standing on the edge of the canyon. There's a town down the back here. Massive canyon, the Burlingame Canyon, produced by rainwater runoff in six days. Slow and gradual or rapid and catastrophic? rapid and catastrophic. It doesn't take a little bit of water and an enormous amount of time to produce these sorts of things. It's exactly the opposite. It takes an enormous amount of water and a little bit of time. Water can do enormous damage in just a short time. A friend of mine lives in Adelaide. He was a, an earth mover. He worked for two months to build a dam in the Adelaide Hills for a farmer. He had one day's work left on it just to cap it off, cap off the dam. It rained that night. The water filled the dam up, started to flow over the dam, they hadn't capped it yet, and the whole dam was washed away in one night. Two months work. Moving water can do an enormous amount of damage in just a short time. <coughs> What do you think a worldwide flood would have done in one year? Enormous damage all over the world. In fact, everywhere you look in Australia is evidence for Noah's flood. Everywhere in Australia. Evidence for Noah's flood. This is the Grand Canyon in the USA. Evolutionists say it took a little bit of water and a lot of time to produce that. Millions and millions of years. The Indians, the Hopi Indians that live along the sides of the canyon, they have stories of their ancestors seeing the canyon form rapidly and catastrophically. Tell me, how many evolutionists have seen something like this form slowly and gradually over millions of years? How many have seen that? None. Isn't that interesting? <coughs> But we have seen things like this form rapidly and catastrophically. We know how these things form. We've seen it happen. The evolutionist never has. The evolutionist believes it by faith. The creationist has evidence to back him up. The evolutionist does not. Evolution is a religion. It's not a science. Evidence for a young age of the universe for the Earth and the universe. Who's heard of Halley's Comet? Halley's Comet came round a few years ago. <clears throat> As a comet goes past the sun, orbits the sun, goes way out into the um, um, universe, comes back again. When the comet goes past the sun, it has a tail. And the tail of the comet always points away from the sun. The tail of the comet is actually produced by the sun. There are high energy particles, we call it the solar wind, that is emitted from the sun. And those particles stream across the universe, strike the head of the comet, 
knock bits and pieces off the head of the comet and those bits and pieces stream out away from the comet in the direction of the solar wind so the comet tail always points away from the sun. <clears throat> As the comet comes around here, the tail is bits and pieces of the comet that has been lost from the head of the comet. That means every time the comet goes past the sun, it loses a little bit of its mass. <clears throat> every time the comet goes around one orbit, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually the comet will disappear. We know how long it takes for comets to disappear. We know there's a limit to the, the size they can start at and there's a limit to the small size as well. We know the rate at which they degrade. We know the rate at which they break down. No comet can last for more than 20,000 years. The evolutionists tell us that all of the comets in our universe, all the comets in our solar system, were produced in the Big Bang. But no comet can last for 20,000 years. If that's the truth, if the Big Bang was you know, 15 billion years ago, Comets can only last 20,000 years. Why are there still comets? They say, oh, well, out beyond the orbit of Pluto, there's a cloud of comets. They call it the Oort cloud. And as the comets that are orbiting the sun break down and disappear, others get knocked into our solar system from the Oort cloud and they start to orbit. So as they're breaking down, they get replaced. Problem. Nobody has ever seen the Oort cloud. It's too far away for the most powerful telescopes we have on Earth. Can't see it. But we have the Hubble telescope in space now. We can see a lot further. Now they tell us the Oort clouds move just beyond the reach of the Hubble telescope as well. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> Just when we can see it, it moves. <laughs> not fair at all. I don't think the Oort cloud exists at all. Judging from the size of the comets, like Halley's Comet, that still inhabit our solar system, knowing they can only last a maximum of 20,000 years, I think this universe is less than 20,000 years old, and a good estimate is about 6,000 years. How old does the Bible say the earth is? About 6,000 years. Agrees with the Bible beautifully. No problem at all. And there are many, many, many such arguments. Limestone caves. How old are limestone caves? I come from Mount Gambia. I was born and raised in Mount Gambia. Lots and lots and lots of limestone down there. Lots of limestone caves. You've got to watch where you walk down there. From 1924 to 1988, there was a visitor sign above the entrance to Carlsbad Caverns. That said Carlsbad was at least 260 million years old. Oh! But you know, as we learn more and more and more about the way limestone caves form, that age has come down. In 1988, the sign was changed to read 7 to 10 million years old. Big drop. See, it doesn't take a lot of time to produce a limestone cave. Limestone caves form by water falling on the limestone and dissolving the limestone. All you need to form a limestone cave is a lot of water. That's all. Don't need time. This guy, Jerry Trout, goes on to say then for a little while the sign read it was two million years old. He says, now the sign is gone. <laughs> How long does it take to produce limestone caves? Not a long time at all. Ladies, what's this? Opal. Good Cooper Opal. It's got some in my type in here. Good Cooper Opal. How long does it take to form Opal? You read the tourist brochures in Cooper now, nobody ever lies to tourists, do they? 
You read the tourist brochures, it says opal takes millions of years to form. You know, there's a guy lives in Lightning Ridge, another opal area in Australia, Len Cram, and he grows opal in his back shed in Vegemite jars in two weeks. <laughs> Len Cram's a Christian. Vegemite jar? You have to have the Vegemite jar. It doesn't work without that. <laughs> Opal grows in two weeks. Len's a Christian. And he was sick of his miners, his mining friends saying it takes millions of years to produce Opal. He decided he was going to find out how it forms. All he did was got various dirts and things from around the Lightning Ridge area, put them in a Vegemite jar. I said the Vegemite jar is important. <laughs> Put some water in there, shake it up, stick it on the shelf in his back shed, and he gets opal seams in two weeks. The opal produced by Len has been examined by the Australian National University under electron microscope, and they cannot tell the difference between Len's opal and natural opal. <laughs> they cannot tell the difference. Just Len never finished high school, but just recently the Australian National University gave Len a PhD. <laughs> for his work on the, for his research on how opal forms in his research monograph he did not put the formula it's just dirt in special amounts in water, shaken up that's all it is but he did not put the formula greed, greed, greed no, not at all Len said, look, if I put the formula in my thesis, it will become public property mm. yeah. and all my mates on the mining field would lose their jobs. Mm. So he didn't disclose it. Mm. How long does it take to form opal? <coughs> Millions of years. No. All you need is the right conditions and it can form very, very quickly very quickly. Ladies! How many ladies here like diamonds? Not me. Come on, diamonds are a girl's best friend, aren't they? Yeah. You know, ladies, you can get your ex-hubby made into a diamond. Have him cremated and this company in America will make the ashes into a diamond. <laughs> Ladies, he may not have been a gem during life, but he can certainly be a gem after death. Yeah. How long does it take to form diamonds? <laughs> the traditional evolutionary belief is millions of years, heat and pressure, the diamonds that we find naturally in the world today, they say, are, are billions of years old. Billions of years old. Is that the truth? No. no. <laughs> they can form rapidly. Just needs the right conditions, that's all. They can form rapidly. You know, the book of Genesis is the foundation of the New Testament. Every Christian doctrine that we hold dear has its origin in the book of Genesis. If you want to know the meaning and purpose of anything, you've got to understand its origin. Without the book of Genesis, we won't understand the origin of any of the doctrines of Christianity and we'll be the poorer for it. All of those doctrines have their origin, have their roots in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis was quoted from many times in the New Testament by the apostles, by the writers, and by the Lord himself. The ones in yellow are the words of the Lord. He quoted from the first nine books of the book of Genesis, from the first nine chapters, rather, of the book of Genesis. Did the Lord believe that Genesis was the truth? Absolutely. Absolutely. He didn't tell us anything different. <coughs> The Bible says, 
but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Literally, it means dying, thou shalt die. The instant Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he died spiritually. He was cut off from God. <clears throat> he was spiritually dead. And because he was spiritually dead, eventually he also died physically. Dying thou shalt die. Each day you will die a little bit more, and eventually you will be dead. That's what God said. And that's what happened, isn't it? Bible says in Romans, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The very first sin we ever commit, we die spiritually and eventually we die physically as a result. Spiritual death is the punishment for sin. Physical death is a consequence of sin. The Bible says that Adam's actions brought death into the world. There was no death in the world before Adam sinned. There was no death, no pain, no struggle, no bloodshed before Adam sinned. It was Adam's actions that brought death into the world. But evolution says the secrets of evolution are time and death. Time for the accumulation of favourable mutations and death to make room for new species. Carl Sagan said that, very famous evolutionist. He's dead now, but his program, Cosmos, is back on TV in South Australia anyway. I'm not sure about him. Why are they rehashing it? Because they've got nothing new. Nothing new. And even what Carl Sagan says is wrong. Evolution says death came before man. Death has always been here. Death is just a part of life. If death has always been here, then death is not the punishment for sin. That means Jesus' death cannot atone for sin. And there's no such thing as Christianity. That's why Genesis is so important to the Christian church today. So important. We cannot afford to lose it. The evolutionists know that. This guy, Frank Zindler, an American atheist, he said if there never was an Adam and Eve, there never was an original sin. If there never was an original sin, there is no need of salvation. If there is no need of salvation, there's no need of a saviour. Do you see the logic? He says, I think that evolution is absolutely the death knell of Christianity. He's an atheist. And he understands the gospel. Why doesn't most of the church understand the gospel? Why does most of the church today follow evolutionary beliefs instead of what the Bible says? Like I said, if evolution is true, Death and bloodshed existed before man. Billions and billions of creatures lived and died in order for man to evolve at the end. Death was here before man. If death was here before man, then death is not the punishment for sin. And Jesus' death can't atone for sin. Wasn't Jesus supposed to take our punishment? If death isn't the punishment, what did he do? His death would be a mockery and a travesty of justice. But it was not salvation. And we are all still in our sins. We cannot afford to believe that evolution is the truth. This guy, Craig Tarski, used to be the Students for Christ chaplain of Macquarie University. He said this, When speaking to university students, creation is vital, since that institution's philosophy of education is secular humanism or evolution. Students are bombarded with it in every lecture as the basic assumption. This constant brainwashing destroys the faith of many Christians each year. He said, our surveys indicate that 80% of first-year students believe in a God who is there. That's fabulous! 80% mm. 
of first-year university students in Australia believe in a God who is there. But he says, by their second year, only 15% believe in God. That's tragic. Why are the universities in Australia destroying the Christian faith of our young people? Do you think it's because the church and the parents are not preparing them properly to live in a sin-soaked, evolution-soaked world? We need to teach our children the truth. We need to indoctrinate them in the truth. Indoctrination for Christians is not a dirty word. I read today that evolutionists now want to get evolutionary teaching down into the preschool kids. Because the Bible says, raise up a child in the way he would, should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a spiritual principle. So if the evolutionists can get their belief into the child before the Christians get their belief in, the child will remain an evolutionist and an atheist. Let's not allow that to happen. Let's train our children from the earliest ages. I met one guy one night, one of my meetings, and he said, Peter, I started teaching creation to my child when he was still in the womb. He used to read to him creation books. I think that's wonderful. That's the way we need to understand it. We need to do it. Maybe not that young. But you know what I mean. The Bible says that man was here before death. It was Adam's actions that brought death into the world. If that's the truth, if creation is the truth, Death came after Adam's sin. That means death is the punishment for Adam's sin. And if death is the punishment for sin, then certainly Jesus' death can atone for sin. No problem at all. No problem with that at all. The Bible says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Has the church done that over the last 150 years? Has the church done that? No. Why do we have the laws in our country that we have today? It's because the church has hidden itself away, not taken part. We can't do that. The word urges us to demolish arguments. Don't demolish the arguer. We demolish their arguments. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We need to do that. We need to do that. In our own minds, in the minds of our children, and in our society at large. We need to do that. Did you know Jesus was a young earth creationist? He was. See, this is the evolution timeline from the Big Bang to the present day, about 15 billion years. At what point along that timeline do evolutionists say people came onto the earth? At what point? They tell us that if you could cram that 15 billion years into a period of one hour, people would have appeared on earth in the last second of that hour. Which end of the spectrum is that? Which end? That end. Yeah, way down here. Do you know what Jesus said? God, from the beginning of creation, made them male and female. He was talking about marriage, he was talking about men and women. Is this the beginning? No. Here we've got the biblical timeline from the creation to the present day. When did people appear along that timeline? Which end? 
that end, way down here. That's the beginning. Did Jesus believe evolution? No. Did he believe creation? Yes. Why? He was there. He did it. He's God. He knows what he did. He never lies. He told us the truth. Why don't we believe him? Why don't we believe him? We need to understand what the Bible says. We need to understand what Jesus believed. And we need to follow him and teach our children and teach our society the truth, the whole truth. Not only the truth about truth, but the truth about error as well. There's a lot of error in our society. Let's teach the truth, the whole truth. Amen? Amen. Amen. We need to evolution-proof our children. So important that we do that. I tell people, look, if you send your child to a public school for five hours a day, you have to be prepared to spend five hours a day deprogramming them. Deprogramming them. That's what it takes. Evolutionary beliefs are so pervasive in our society today. Every single subject is shot through with evolutionary ideas. Every single subject. Say, so what about mathematics? Yep. You know, at teachers' colleges today, the teachers are taught, the new teachers are taught, if a child says 2 plus 2 equals 5, don't mark it wrong. Because you'll damage them psychologically. <laughs> Eventually, when they grow up, get their first pay packet, they'll realise that 2 plus 2 does not equal 5. <laughs> That's evolutionary thinking. That's evolutionary beliefs applied to mathematics. And psychology, of course. We need to teach the truth from the beginning. We have to start at the beginning of the book when we're witnessing to people, not halfway through the book. Today in our society, you can't start with the New Testament. You have to start with Genesis. You have to show people where they came from, who made them. You have to show them that the Bible really is the God-breathed Word of God. And maybe then they'll believe it and maybe then they will live it. Let's do that. Amen? Amen. We have a magazine called Creation Magazine. Absolutely brilliant magazine. Absolutely brilliant magazine. We have so many testimonies from people who have been one of the Lord through the magazine. He says, I was converted when somebody gave me a creation magazine. Then I subscribed for five of my relatives. Four of them have now come to the Lord. What a brilliant testimony. You know, Dr. Carl Whelan used to be the CEO of the creation ministry here in Australia. He used to talk about a meeting he took where there were only four people turned up. He said he gave the message, sold one book that night. One book. He always regarded it as a failure. About 15 years later, he met a lady who was at the meeting. And he was talking to her about that meeting. And she said, no, no, that meeting wasn't a failure. That book went through our whole family and our extended family. About 15 people came to the Lord. <laughs> that form, where's mine? That form, if you want to get the magazine, excuse me, did it? We're not plugged in. They're still on here. There we go. This form, if you want to get the magazine, fill out the bottom of it. Just the bottom of it. I'm going to wait now while you do that. Put your name and address on there, mother's name and hat size and all that sort of stuff. 
I'll wait while you fill that out. If you want to get the magazine, brilliant magazine, absolutely brilliant magazine. Comes out four times a year, every three months. We had a guy one night, came to our meeting, he raced in, and he said, where's the magazine sign-up form? Where's the magazine sign-up form? Calmed him down a little bit, and I said, look, what's the problem? What's the problem? He said, my wife, She's giving birth, she's in our car, I'm taking to the hospital, but I've got to get the magazine first. <laughs> I'll give you some time to fill it out. Over here, you need to tick. Over here, you need to tick whether you want it for one year, one year with digital, two, three years, three years with digital. If you get digital as well, a couple of dollars to get digital as well, you get a physical copy of the magazine in the post, and you also get five digital copies of the magazine. So you can have one digital copy of the magazine on your iPhone, one on your iPad, one on your desktop, one on your laptop, one left over to give away, or you can give all five away. Use them to witness with. Brilliant way to get the word out into the community. Digital copies of the Creation magazine. If you filled out the top, just tick here as above for the email address. Don't need to fill it out again. <clears throat> again, don't follow what this one says, you won't get anything. How many here already get the magazine? Oh, look at them all. Yeah. What do you think of it? Best advertising there is satisfied customers. Brilliant magazine. When you finish filling out your card, take it to the pay tables at the back and you can pay there books as well and receive free gift if you sign up for one year you can have a free copy of the magazine if you sign up for three years you can have a free copy of the magazine and a free DVD of your choice one of the books down there is our answers book the creation answers book absolutely brilliant book I'm not kidding you at all I really believe that any primary school child, primary school child, who understands the answers to the questions like where did Cain get his wife from, what happened to the dinosaurs, what about carbon-14, all those sorts of questions, how big was Noah's ark, how did he get all the animals onto the ark, any primary school child that understands the answers to these questions, and they're not difficult, any primary school child can take on any university professor in the world on this subject and win. Because all the evidence is on our side. All the evidence is on our side. Why? Because it's the truth. That book is also in our intro pack. The Answers book, Refuting Evolution and Why It Matters, is a DVD. Refuting Evolution was written by Jonathan Safady. Chess champion. Brilliant, brilliant man. Brilliant man. I have actually seen Jonathan Safady play 12 people at chess at once, blindfolded, and win every game. You know, the current Russian chess champion says he can do eight. Jonathan does 12. Brilliant man. I'm glad he's on our side. Great um, beginning li beginner's library, that one. Answers book, Refuting Evolution and Why It Matters. 
This one, Stones and Bones, just a little book, thin book. Great to buy stacks of them and give them away. It's a summary of the arguments for creation and against evolution from biology and geology. Great little book to get people interested in the subject and hopefully they'll pursue it. We have freebies down there as well. For those of you who are really skint, we have freebies. No reason you can't give stuff away. Great um, pamphlets to give to people. Evolution's Achilles Heels, book and DVD. Great book. Great book. Great DVD as well. I bought the book. Now, I trained in biology at university. I trained in genetics. But it's changed so much. We've learned so much since I was at uni that I got bogged down. Reading the book, I got bogged down in the genetics section. Couldn't understand what they were getting at. I bought the DVD. I watched the DVD four times. And then I went back to the book. And I managed to make my way through the book without any problems. Brilliant, brilliant pair of um, a book and a DVD. Brilliant. Absolutely annihilating for the evolutionist position. We've got books for kids down there. True Story of the World. It's not really a kid's book. It's an adult's book. You know, guys, if you don't want to walk home with a kid's book, we can supply a brown paper wrapper. <laughs> Great for the parents to read the kids' books and then use them to teach the kids. Great way to do it. Great way to do it. Untold Secrets of Planet Earth about the flood fossils. Fossils were formed during the flood. Absolutely fabulous book. Fabulous photographs. Great coffee table book. Now buy one of these. Stick it on the coffee table in the lounge. Invite somebody home for a cup of coffee. Stick them in the lounge. And go out in the kitchen for about half an hour. <laughs> when you come back. They'll have so many questions, you can use those questions to lead them to the Lord. No problem at all. Great, great book. We have a core issues pack of DVDs. Goes through the whole spectrum of all of the evidences for creation against evolution from all the various sciences. A great core issues pack of DVDs. Remember our website? What's the address of the website? Creation.com, creation that's right. So hard to remember. Creation.com. Thousands of articles on the website, as I said before. The Bible says in 1 Peter, be ready always to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Notice it does not say, be ready to give a faith. Be ready to give a belief. It says, be ready to give a reason and reasons require evidence God expects Christians to train themselves in the evidences that the Bible really is his word and then use those evidences to show others that they might too come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour let's do that let's change our society Amen. Amen, Amen. Thank you all very much.